0: This fellow, Ronaldo, is a cod. Aston Wenger's been in Japan for a year. He doesn't know anything about English football.
1: I'm so happy, believe me. I'm so happy. Happy New Year.
0: Colin Giovanni, incredible. Dribble, dribble,
1: dribble, dribble.
0: It's the history of the Tottenham. I have nothing to say. I'm so sorry, I have nothing to say. The Righteous Brothers once sang about losing that loving feeling, but now it's Jurgen Klopp, Liverpool who have lost that winning feeling. Hello and welcome to the Total Football Podcast. I'm your host, Declan Heritage, and joining me is Andrew Conway. Hello, Declan. Andrew, will the home side ever win again at Anfield?
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> yes is a short <laughs> answer. Um, like, presumably. Yeah, presumably. You know, they're things aren't looking great at Anfield right now. <clears throat> they haven't looked great at Anfield for quite some time, as it turns out. Uh, but th- this is, uh, you know, we it's happened a lot quicker than we thought it was. But it, it's happened. Um, the The great champions of last season have fallen. They're falling hard. Champ, other champions have fallen harder than them. But they're they're currently in that downward spiral. And you know, we thought they might have come out of it after a few weeks ago, at Sheffield United. But um, yeah, that doesn't look to have really arrested anything.
0: Yeah, because, like, Sheffield United currently are the only side in the Premier League with worse form uh, than Liverpool. Do. Yeah. And that's not over, like, two or three games. That is over seven or eight games, which yeah, is... Yeah, since
1: Christmas, isn't it, <laughs> roughly, I think?
0: Yeah, like, in the... like when you go back to the fact that, like, there was 68 league games unbeaten, which was pretty close to, I believe, Chelsea, with the record at 76 games unbeaten at home in the Premier League in that stretch over a really long period of time. Um, basically, from I think it was Jose Mourinho's first stint to almost Jose Mourinho's second stint. Um, at Ch- or no, it was Jose Mourinho's first stint to, um, was it Luis Felipe Scolari actually uh,
1: that lost? Sunderland, I think that won it, wasn't it? Sunderland beat the beat, record.
0: I, I got it mixed up. Sunderland beat Jose Mourinho's unbeaten home record in England, but it was Luis Felipe Scolari that, that ended Chelsea's unbeaten run, um, I okay. believe. They actually lost to Liverpool. Um, but like that—that's a—that was an incredible record that stretched over three or four seasons, uh, if not longer. Mm. And now, like Liverpool came very close to that, and now they've lost six games in a row, which they haven't done since the 50s when they were bottom of the 53, 54 season. Um, yeah. so like it—it's it, just remarkable. Like looking at the amount of points they have in the tables at this stage of the season is five fewer than David Moyes had in his season in charge of Manchester United. Like he was nearly sacked at that stage of the season um so it, their their fall off has been it's been really stark like it's really come out of nowhere like i've seen it compared to even it's come later in the season but i've seen it compared to the Mourinho season where chelsea completely collapsed after winning the league and you know they do kind of remind you of that side a little bit don't they
1: no no not massively like there's extenuating circumstances in this and you know, while you can make comparisons to Conte's Chelsea side after they won the league and kind of fell away because the manager kind of lost the power he had over the over the team, you can compare it to Leicester City under Claudio Ranieri after they won the league and fell away. And I suppose Mourinho was under Chelsea, but I think in all of those circumstances, there was a clear loss of the dressing room, and there was a writing on the wall, if you will. And while I, I. I don't deny that maybe that can it can get to that stage at Liverpool. I don't think he's lost the dressing room. I think there is far greater extenuating circumstances in this Liverpool demise than there was in any of those that I listed there. Um while the form is bad and as you said, it's as bad as, as as David Moyes at Manchester United. And I think in an isolated season, had Liverpool not just won the league, had not just been to two Champions Leagues in three years, two Champions League finals in three years, I think uh, Jurgen Klopp would be under a hell of a lot more pressure than he is at the moment. But given the COVID season that it is, given that he was the league champion, given that, you know, the success he's brought the club and the way they've changed and turned around their fortunes um, at Liverpool, I I, I can see a bit more slack being granted and while I thought they would arrest this form a long time ago and I was proven completely wrong and I thought they challenged for the league and I've been proven completely wrong, I still think that they will arrest it before the end of the season and while the Champions League may be getting away from them, it's still only four points away. And, you know, anything can happen in the last 10 games of a season. And, you know, Liverpool still have that to play. That's, you know, 30 points is a lot of points. 73 points will be enough for Champions League football. Now, if they drop more points, mightn't be. But we we, we can wait and see what happens.
0: But This is just a team that doesn't really look like doing anything. Like, when I say I compare them to those teams that you mentioned, it's more just that feeling of lifelessness that's going on when they actually play on the pitch. Like, they... They went down one 0 to Fulham this weekend and after the goal went in and then in that second half, they just didn't really ever look like doing much. Like Ariola made one pretty good save, but other than that, he didn't have to do a huge amount. Yeah. And this is a Fulham side who
1: are in the relegation zone. They have twenty six. Yeah, Fulham had better chances, like to to extend their lead in that match. They could have gone two 0 up a couple of times. They ran out of seam or just put in bad finishes and and Allison, to be fair to him, had a pretty decent game. Um, if it wasn't for him chances are Liverpool would be in even a worse position than they have been and that's saying something given the the the, the problems that he has had this season in, in between the six for Liverpool
0: and If it was an isolated incident of like okay they dropped three points to Fulham it happens but it's the fact yeah. that it's happened to them against Burnley Brighton Fulham yeah they've lost to Man City and Chelsea as well it was the sixth team that, that beat them I can't even remember now there's too many to remember Southampton
1: uh, well, oh no at home
0: um, the, Southampton was uh, at home for Southampton, yeah. So, like, yeah, it it was away.
1: I I can't even remember Everton.
0: Oh, it was uh, Everton, yeah, of course. Um, That was the sixth team that I was forgetting. Like, they they even lost to Everton, a team that hadn't won there this century, uh, despite playing them every year.
1: Everton are Uh, three on the bounce at a time of recording, you know, it's the most consistent they've been all season.
0: Yeah, maybe they they truly are on the up and up after that that result, but this is like. It's six. Like when it gets to this many games, it starts becoming more than just isolated incident, and it becomes uh, a slump that it yeah. becomes very difficult for most managers to get out of. Like this is a real test now for Klopp to see can he turn things around in the next ten games. Like I'm just looking at their upcoming fixtures, and they're not great. Like they play Wolves, Arsenal, Aston Villa, and Leeds in the next four Premier League games. Like you know, those teams aren't the highest in the league, but they do all have a good performance in them on their day and like you look yep. at particularly Aston Villa who beat them 7-2 earlier in the season yeah. Leeds you know that that classic game at the start of the season finished 4-3 those were both when Liverpool were you know it was the start of the season things were going well they Van Dyke was there yeah. Van Dyke was there Joe Gomez was there like what are they going to be now when it's completely depleted well not completely depleted but it's a depleted Liverpool side that's, you know, down on their luck at the moment. Like, you know, you, you wouldn't back them going into those games. Wolves and Arsenal, like, they can be tricky, like we've seen in the last few weeks now, that it's teams that sit back and defend and let Liverpool have the ball that they just can't break down at the moment. Yeah. Like, you know, that kind of suits Wolves and Arsenal to an extent. Like we saw Arsenal do it to Liverpool last season. Yeah. Um at the final stages of the season. Wolves love doing that against all the big sides, so they haven't been quite successful at it this season. Um, maybe maybe this will be <laughs> the moment for Wolves, uh, to get that big result that they normally get in a season. Like it 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 is not looking good for them in the league. And like you look at the league table and they're eighth. Like they're behind David Moyes' West Ham, who will play two fewer games. Yeah. They've played two more games as David Moyes' West Ham and are two points behind them. They're behind Jose Minios Tottenham, who just a couple of weeks ago we were talking about is in a total chaos crisis at the moment. They're sixth. Uh let alone Chelsea who just sacked their manager and brought in Thomas Tuchel a month ago like they they have a long way to go like it might only be four points but they played more games than all of those teams yeah. yeah, and their form is just so bad and there's so many teams for them to jump up if they were fifth and four points behind like it sounds weird to say that you know four points shouldn't matter you know it's four points is four points but when there's that many teams like you're relying on that many teams to fall out of form which just isn't likely like it can happen but it's just not something you see often
1: yeah, no, you're you're completely correct. And like, looking at Liverpool play, looking at the, how they've played in the last few weeks, it, it doesn't look good for them. You know, they they've slowed down the goal scoring front. They can't keep clean sheets. They're not creating a huge amount, despite having a lot of possession. It's very sterile. Um, yeah, it is. It, it, it's I suppose it's it's the quandary of of the style of of Jurgen Klopp. You know, when things are going well his teams tend to be greater than the sums of their parts, you know? uh, Pochettino has a similar effect at at the club's he's been at when he really galvanises the unit together when they're all together. You find, like, Liverpool last season, like, on squad for squad terms, you know, how much better than they were of of Man City? Not much, but then they they absolutely tranched Man Man City in points total last season. Um... And this season, you kind of say, how much, how different are the sides? And you're kind of like, well, Man City have better players. Well, they didn't last season. And what's the difference this season? Oh, you know, they're they're not in form. They're not playing well. And it seems that little, little, little lapses in form, little down, little, little absences in the squad, seem to have a much greater impact at Liverpool than they do at other clubs. And I think that's why they're really suffering this year. Like, it, I think you might have mentioned before, like his first season, you know, Klopp was betting into the job, but Liverpool finished what was it, seventh or eighth the first season um under un, under Jurgen Klopp and you know they're heading that way again and maybe that that'll give them the onus to recover next season and 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 kind of rebuild themselves but uh, like at the moment the players they have they're completely out of form they're not playing well together they don't seem to be of a requisite quality to reach the Champions League to be quite honest you know there's a, obviously a few world beaters in there but the on on their current form like they do not look comparable side to to Leicester City or Everton or you know even David Moyes West Ham
0: you say, like, rebuilding in the summer, like, that in the current economic well, crisis, it, it's going to be difficult. And if they finish yeah. eighth, if they actually finish eighth, I believe they'll be in the Europe Conference League or whatever that's oh, called, God. which would be, like, that's, that Whoa. almost feels like, the, <laughs> yeah, that would be a real yeah. low point. Like, that's, it doesn't feel like Liverpool, like, clubhouse. they could win the Champions be, League. They could always win the Champions League, but, yeah. you know, we can't really... It's too early to no. say on that front because it's still yeah. the last sixteen, and they still have a second leg to do you know, against where we lives. They are, yeah. Yeah. they are ahead in that tie, but you know the way the form is going at the moment, maybe that will be overturned. Um, but
1: where's that even being played? Like that's another question. But yeah, uh,
0: yeah, we'll talk about that later, I suppose. But just to focus in on the current form and like. Like obviously you wouldn't get rid of Jurgen Klopp because he is the man. Like they're they're oh. in a similar position to to where Tottenham were when they actually got rid of Pochettino, yeah. and you know it's Liverpool's chance to show that you know Tottenham were wrong to get rid of Pochettino and bring in Mourinho. Like because Liverpool could get rid of Klopp. Like I think some people would would be okay with that. Like it, it wouldn't be the most unpopular decision. It wouldn't be the craziest decision ever made. It would still be a bad decision. Yeah. Um, but they, they, and they've. I think I saw a report earlier from the Telegraph that they've dismissed the idea of it as absurd, which is, you know, probably correct. Um, and of the people that you would put in charge to rebuild the Liverpool squad, he's the one with the best CV to do it. Um, but it also the question is, does he want to do it? I suppose will be the the question. In the next few weeks, we saw that he left Dortmund. You know, there's the chance that the the Germany job comes up after the Oros. Like these are appealing. Instagram, yeah. Or to Klopp, maybe like it'll, you know, you look at him on the touchline. He does look, he does look like he doesn't really want to be there as well. Like you know, yeah. that kind of happens when teams are in such poor form. But uh, you know, it would it would worry Liverpool fans that maybe Klopp doesn't want to keep going after the season.
1: Yeah, like I know there there is a lot of comparisons we made with Pochettino and and what happened at Spurs that things just going wrong and the the squad seems to need a bit of a shake up and and things need to happen differently. And there, there was logic to what Daniel Levy did. I don't, I don't agree with what he did. He, he, you know, in in absence of a huge amount of funds to rebuild the entire squad, he decided to change the manager and to to change their fortunes. And it, it kind of did work, you know. And now they're 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 kind of paying the the they're paying for it now in in the way that they're going to have to rebuild the squad in someone else's mold, um, which maybe they didn't want to do at the time. Um, and that could happen at Liverpool as well. Kind of the rebuilding exercise of the summer, I, I didn't even mean it in a kind of financial in, in a in a tangible way. I almost meant it in a psychological way. I meant it that like they're 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 I don't want to call it their bottle, but they're you know, there's something gone in them. There there is something that's not right in the way that they're behaving on the field, and the way that they're performing on the field. You can even tell the way that Klopp is using his squad, like Trent Alexander Arnold and, and Sadio Mane both came on as subs. Uh, in that game against Fulham, like why weren't they starting the match? And I know there's there's fitness issues to consider in, in both of those cases, but it's kind of like well, when you have to win a match, these guys are going to have to play, and you can't just bring them on as subs and hope they do something as as last minute introductions into a game. You have to actually go for it. And when when you're kind of chopping and changing and trying to change in what you're doing to try and get the result when things aren't working, it is a bit concerning uh, for the long term viability of your manager. All of that being said, I think it's been proven by some of the greats in the game, and we can we can talk about the antithesis of this argument in a second. But it's been proven by some of the greats in the game that longevity is the real test, and all of these managers, all of the great managers through time, like if if you're going back to the 30s and the 40s, and uh, like through to you know, even the likes of Jose Mourinho, the likes of Alex Ferguson, Arsene Wenger. Of Louis Van Gaal, you know they 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 have tough times in their career where they're they're losing games and they persevere and they come out the other end of it. Like even Pep Guardiola, you can you can even make an argument, although it's ridiculous at Man City to make such an argument. But last season was tough in to the, to his lofty standards, and he's come out the end of it. And maybe that's that's what has to happen at Liverpool. Is they just have to get through this rocky period, you know, and 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 you know really count their count count their blessings. That they've had they have this rocky period now, but after so much success they've had in recent years, that most clubs would would sell their soul for. So, you know, you can you can be angry, you can call for the head of the manager, but as as the board of Liverpool rightly say, you know, they're they're not even contemplating it. They know where they came from and they think they have the right person in charge to bring them where they need to go again.
0: Yeah, like I still think the actual squad itself does need some work though, just because the players, while obviously at their best were absolutely amazing and that's what led to the team getting 98 points 90, 97 points or whatever it was that all the season they didn't win the league getting to two champions league finals winning a champions league like they yeah. they were clearly amazing but at the same time that cycle has kind of come to an end and it is time to kind of look at the players and and see that it needs a bit of a refresh um yeah. so regardless of what they do with the the manager's position i do think some of these players they they it's time to start trying to move them on, but it's going to be very difficult given the economic climate because, you know, this time, 12 months ago, obviously the pandemic was just starting, but right before that, I think a few people had kind of wondered whether they were going to sell one of the front three and bring in a team like of Werner was the one they were supposed to be bringing yeah. in. They brought in Jota for a finish, but you know, it did seem a bit like okay they're going to try offload Mane to Real Madrid for 100 million or Salah to Barcelona for 100 million yeah and that's just not possible now as we've said like PSG maybe could bring in one of them but I think like I think we talked about this last week like do you see PSG bring in most well they're keeping Neymar
1: and they're keeping Mbappe Uh, so I don't see it happening no
0: so at that point who does you know help fund the next rebuild
1: Yeah, well, maybe the market has to collapse for them to actually be able to rebuild. But yeah, like at the moment, they remind me of the Champions League final a few years ago against Real Madrid uh, when they lost uh, Mohamed Salah and the way the team reacted. And they did not react very well. They almost fell into themselves. They're like, oh, my God, this is our that was when Salah was in his amazing form and scoring every game and he could do anything he could do. No wrong. And then they lost him to injury early in the match and they did not know how to cope. They did not know how to react. And they played terrible football and they went behind and, you know, obviously the rest is history. the Dolores Carrius stuff and everything that happened and even whatever fight back they had, they kind of didn't look up to it. They didn't look like a team that should be in the Champions League final, let alone, you know, someone who could beat Real Madrid or could go on the following season and win the thing. They Didn't look like that at all, even though most of the same players did just that. And I feel it is a very psychological thing with Liverpool at the moment. It's it's these players are not reaching their potential and they're not hitting the potential that, that Jurgen Klopp had, had brought them to either. And you know there maybe there is a cause to to move some of these players on, but like they're going to be stuck with the majority of them, so they really do have to get to the bottom of this problem.
0: Yeah, and either way, it really does feel like this is a juncture point. Like they need to they meet they this they need to start making decisions on what they do next because it can't keep going on like this. They can't keep losing uh, to teams that are near the relegation On like they yeah. have Newcastle coming up after that run of games, they lose that game at home as well. Um, they'll have effectively handed all three of the relegation battlers uh, three points at, at Anfield, which is uh, quite the gift. Um, so they, they really can't keep going on this form. They need to they need to do something. And as the summer is going to be, it's going to be a big one for them in what they do next.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch.
0: Uh, and then I suppose we'll uh, move on to the Manchester Derby where Manchester United claim victory over their uh, city rivals. Uh, uh, what... what in terms of City, do you think this performance kind of speaks to a warning sign for the Champions League? Because you know, it, it doesn't affect the the league standings really.
1: No, like they're still like whatever eleven points clear. You know, they're they're still yeah. doing pretty okay. Um, yeah, yes, and no. Like I think it very much. Uh, it, it was. It was. It's a. It's a thing that's happened to City in the past, and it's happened to them in the European. It's happened to Pep Guardiola. The sides, if we're being quite honest. That when a game goes against him early on, when his plan doesn't immediately click into action or work, very often you find that his teams lose or have a bad result. They suffer, and I think very obviously there was there was mitigating circumstances that a a player that shouldn't have been where he was making a rash challenge in the box within thirty seconds isn't what you want uh, as a starting point. But I I don't think City recovered from it. I think Gabriel Jesus had a horrible match. I think he created very little um, from an attacking point of view and, and showed very little uh, in his build-up play. And obviously he had the the crucial intervention for the penalty. Um, I think Manchester United performed adequately. I think they had a good defensive performance. I think Lindelof performed better than I thought he would and I think Maguire was fine. Um, I think Pep was very slow with his changes in the game because he didn't want to be seen as someone who was tinkering. I think that was a political decision rather than the best thing on the game. And... Yeah, I th- I think it is worrying going into into important matches in the next few weeks in the Champions League. Like I don't think Leipzig will hold them up or sorry, um what's not Leipzig, Munchen Gladbach will hold them up, but I think they will they will encounter when they come against better sides who who have a, a, a you know a describable plan to beat Man City because they are beatable. This this shows it like they they're not this unstoppable force. You you do if you put a if you put a was it a, um, a wrench in the works? They will stop working. They don't have all the answers to all the attacking player questions. They don't have David Silva anymore. They don't have Sergio Aguero anymore. They don't have those Yaya Toure or or even Vincent Kompany to just kick a ball from forty yards and score a goal. They have to work it and they have to play the game properly. And if one of their outstanding players isn't in form, <clears throat> excuse me, they're in serious problem.
0: Yeah, what's, what's interesting about this is it is a big game where they lose, which has kind of been... Yeah, common. Yeah, it's been their downfall in the Champions League, but what else has been their downfall in the Champions League has been that Pep usually comes up to the big game and does something different or tries to, you know, obviously overthink has kind of been the big word with Pep, but he didn't do any of that. He just showed up with their regular side. They played their regular yep. football. Obviously, they, Gabriel Jesus makes that absolutely ridiculous uh, mistake. Had a horrible
1: match thereafter as well. I think it really got to him.
0: Yeah, and yeah, there's a lot of question marks over, I suppose, him as an individual as well as, you know, how he ended up making that mistake, but, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, they've gone back behind, you know, the few times that they have gone behind this season, they don't ever really look like arresting it, like, and this has been a a problem they've had under Pep Guardiola the whole time, really, and it's been most obvious in the Champions League, like, in that game against Leon, they went behind 20-30 minutes in, and they got an equaliser, but then that was very late in the game, and then they just fell apart for a finish. They they lost that game 3-1 in the end, and, you know, it's been a theme, like, there was that time there where Liverpool would score one, and then they would score three against them, you know, they, they were known for yeah. completely collapsing in 15-minute spells, and it almost looked like that was going to happen yesterday as well, after they conceded, Luke Shaw had a chance immediately after, um, Man United did keep up the kind of aggressive pressing that they that got them in the position for the penalty in the first place, and City looked kind of lost in that fifteen minutes and they got through it with just conceding the one goal. But then after that, like they had they had a few chances, mostly a 2-0 though, and they never really ever looked like scoring, even though they got into good
1: positions. Oh yeah, the the match is over at two. When that second goal went in, you all the heads dropped in the Man City side. You could see it. They were done. They knew they weren't coming back from it. At best they could get a draw, but they weren't going to continue their winning streak. They weren't going to have the the bragging rights and they're like the perfect team of 2021 that that dream was over um as soon as that goal went in i thought everyone everyone fell to, to fell to the ground um like the, the the second goal was classic manchester united play and i think that's what i think solskjaer should be proud of is that they they did they they suckered in I don't want to say it's it's rope a dope. I don't want and I'm not to be critical there. It it worked and it, it was very well executed, but they, they they lured Man City into committing a huge amount of players forward and then they broke and they did this a few times and, and, and got into great uh goal scoring opportunities but they took their opportunities when they presented themselves. Like they, they didn't have many, but when they did they they took them and, and you know, as you said, they could have been more than two 0 in the end, but they got the two crucial goals and that's all that counts.
0: Yeah, and for City, I suppose this maybe in the long term might end up being not the worst result for them because they can, they can come back down to training at the weekend and Pep can kind of refocus and be like, okay, well, we don't have to think about the record anymore. That's, that's done. Yeah. That's in the past. And also he can learn and be like, okay, you know, we, we are invincible. We okay, can't beaten. Okay, guys uh so he can he can look back at this and be like, okay, what do I do for the next big game? like he can tinker and he can he can figure out the weaknesses that that have been exploited by Solskjaer and he can he can use that to his advantage I suppose and it's better that he loses this league game than it happens in say a second leg against bruce much and Gladback or whatever they get in the quarterfinal assuming they get there. So you know in the long term probably not the worst result even though you wouldn't want it to happen against Man United of all teams just because they're local rivals or yeah. whatever.
1: Overall. Yeah, and it is. Yeah, it, it does become a psychological thing for for City as well, similar to what we were talking about earlier in the season with Everton and Liverpool. Like City do have this habit of losing these important games, and especially to, to like, the Alexander Solskjaer teams. And you know, the, we like there was a lot of I don't. We won't go into it too much, but there was a lot of talk about Manchester United. Like, oh, they, if they only they had beaten X, Y, and Z, they'd be closer to City now, and that would have been much more of an important victory. But that, that's the point is, you know, this United side isn't capable of challenging for the league at the moment. They're not that good. They're not capable of putting together a 20-match winning run uh, the way City can. Um, and that's fine. That's fair enough. That's like 19 out of 20 teams in the league are like that. Um, and I, I, I don't think they should be judged to that kind of standard that, that City have set for everybody else. But uh, uh, yeah, thats that's just the point I wanted to make.
0: I suppose with United like this result probably keeps their top 4 position pretty safe for now Yeah, into the last 10 games and then it just kind of leaves them hard to judge like they're they are a weird team like are, like how good are this Man United team or how bad are this Man United team it, it does seem very hard to judge because they're so weirdly inconsistent in a way that even like Everton are because Everton will be inconsistent game to game but Man yeah. United will be inconsistent in that they'll go and win four or five games in a row and then they'll lose and draw the next five yeah, uh, in a weird pattern that they've just been doing the entire time Solskjaer has been in charge nearly. Um so it, it is hard to judge them. Uh like they do at times and on Sunday they look very good. They they play to their game plan very well and you know Luke Shaw took his goal very well. He's been in really good form this season and kind of that was the goal that he kind of deserved out of that. Um but you go into the summer then, you know we talk about Liverpool and how they need to rebuild like for for my United they should be going into the summer thinking Maybe a few more players, and we can start to to challenge City. And it's going to be interesting to see do they kind of figure out where the holes holes in the team are. Because I think there are obvious holes in this team, but I don't know are there think, obvious yeah. solutions for Man United and <clears throat> what they do. Because as we said, the summer is going to be so you know such an unknown for for everyone and what 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 is possible in the transfer window.
1: Like personally, I think the biggest hole is sitting in the in the coaches seat in the in the manager's chair at Manchester United. I think coaching. You know, creating attacking coaching and creating opportunities for players to score—I think—is their biggest downfall. I know they have 55 league goals; they're the second highest scorers in the league, and all that sort of stuff. They've got fantastic attacking players, but time and time again, it is those marginal matches against the likes of Sheffield United, against you know, not not you know, not Southampton this season, but Southampton last season. That was a that was a crucial like points drop they made last season. Um, the, these are the matches where they can't create the right chances. They don't. Just, they can't just steamroll their teams. Like West Brom earlier in the season, you know that was a, that was a tough match for them. They really should be. They have the firepower on the field that can unpick these teams, but they're not coordinated in a way that can do it. Like we'll, we'll see what happens in the summer. I think Cavani is likely to stay, which would be a good presence up front for them, especially for the experience side of things. I imagine they're going to keep Rashford, Martial, um, Greenwood signed a new long term contract. Pogba is a bit of a kind of a question mark over him. Do they want to keep him? But like. I, I really do think that like, they need to have a coordinated response or coordinated approach to the transfer market because Ed Woodward picking up bargains because he can, which seems to be why they, they, they sign Van der Beek, you know, fine. But I don't think it's a way you win titles.
0: Then elsewhere in the Premier League, Tottenham uh, got back to winning ways in the last few weeks, and now Gareth Bale is uh, among the goals. Is the Welshman back?
1: Uh, you know, I don't know will he get my title for best transfer of the season. He could (laughs) still grab it still. We we don't know. Like I, you know, Tottenham, I think this is going to happen with them. You know, certain, they play against certain teams they're going to win. They're going to get the results against them. Certain teams play perfectly for Tottenham. They sit back, they let the big team kind of do their thing and then they, they get suckered into that false sense of security and start, you know, pressing players forward because they kept a draw for a certain amount of time. And Tottenham just exploit that, and they kick them apart on the break with players like Gareth Bale, with players like Summon Young in the form of his life, and with players like uh, Harry Kane somehow still fit and scoring goals despite his injury woes. You know that that's what they do. Like they're they're currently playing in a complete attack against defense formation with Lucas Moura, Kane, Bale, and Son, and it's working for them. Um, I don't think it'll work for them long term, and I think they'll be back into that like run of losing matches or drawing matches. Um, but you know, while, while it works for them, I think they're, they'll they have fun, and, and Gareth Bale and Harry Kane and Son will probably get some goals for themselves.
0: Yeah, because like it, it is fun to see Gareth Bale kind of scoring a few goals for time again, but they aren't the goals that you associate with Gareth Bale. Obviously, one of them was a header, and he is a great header of the ball, but they're just kind of tap ins where he exploited the space in the box and he reacted first, like that goal against Burnley. Um, the first one against Crystal Palace as well. He just kind of got in the back post um, for a pretty simple tap-in. Like, he's not going on those magical runs that he was known for. He's not scoring from 30, 40 yards with his uh, wand of the left foot. So uh, it's not quite that he's back, but it is good to see him amongst the Coles at the very least. And he is gradually getting himself back into full match fitness. And it'll be interesting to see if in the next few weeks he does start Kind of as he, you know, confidence it plays a role in it as well. And you know, he's getting that confidence back that he can score goals. It'll be interesting to see does he start going on more of these uh mazy runs, or or is this just a, a bit of a not a fluke but just kind of a, a good patch in form that will eventually Yeah, A second wind, to, yeah, yeah, a second sure. wind, good way to put it. Yeah,
1: um,
0: but, I, but I, I think
1: it is, yeah, to be honest. Yeah,
0: well, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see anyway. <laughs> I, I think you're yeah. right that he. Won't quite be. Uh, it'll. it would take a lot for him to be considered the best signing of the season.
1: Could happen. Um, yes, it could happen. It yes, could.
0: he could. He could power their their Champions League bid, I suppose. And if he got being yeah. single-handedly dragged them back to the top four, I'd. I'd hear the argument, but uh, it still looks like Harry Kane will have to do a uh, a lot of the heavy lifting there. I think.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: And then finally, uh, Joan Laporta was confirmed as the new Barcelona president after cl- after the club's socio members voted on Sunday. Uh, he returns to the role, having led Barca from 2003 to 2010. Um, yeah. You know how do you, how do you see Barcelona going in the future with him in charge?
1: Well, like Juan Juan Laporta is a flawed character. I do think he has the 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 club at the because I I remember again this is probably biased in every way, but I remember there was a documentary made about him. I watched years ago, maybe 15 years ago, which kind of was a flying the wall documentary, following him around him and his fellow directors around right after they'd. Uh, won the first presidential election back in 2003. And, you know, they'd signed Edgar Davids, they'd failed to sign David Beckham, that was their big failure, but they got Ronaldinho and they put in their own man, Frank Rancard, as, as a manager. And, and obviously the rest was history. They, they went on to win multiple Champions Leagues and and established themselves as the main club in Spain and, you know, Leo Messi came through and, every, you know, the golden generation, the Messiah and, and uh, Pep Guardiola all came in his tenure. Um, through that, you kind of see he's a flawed character there's problems with him personally and professionally I'm not sure how you know how much I trust him if, I, if it was my club or if it was my money that he was spending but at the same time I think he wants Bar- the best of Barcelona we'll see whether that is is going to come true because you know he, he is known for like making promises and not delivering on them but then you know doing the right thing in the end I think one of the other presidential candidates said that the, it's a joke to to think that we're going to be signing any players given the financial constraints that Barcelona are currently under and the mismanagement they've suffered in recent, in the last decade, really. And, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with that presidential candidate and Juan Laporte has a tough job ahead of him uh, to actually keep Barcelona up at that top table of football. And, you know, other things could happen to keep Barcelona there, but they, I, I think they'll be, they're in for a turbulent next few years, whether Messi stays or not.
0: Yeah, I suppose the Messi question is the first one he's going to have to answer and whether Messi is going to stay in the summer or whether he's going to go off to Man City or PSG. And he obviously can't answer that right now. And there's also the question over Ronald Coleman, whether he's going to be the manager going forward. Coleman, I think, over the weekend, very pointedly, uh, made sure to remind everyone that he's got another year left on his contract. Uh, then, of course, there's the debt as well. He's already mentioned that he wants to try to refinance the debt and you know structure it in a way that they can start repaying it back. But he's also mentioned taking out money still to try to help them in the transfer market. So, you know, maybe that's not the greatest idea at the moment considering they are currently 1.17 billion uh, euros in debt, which is, it's that's quite a lot of money, uh, it turns out. So uh, it's going to be, yeah, you're right. Like it's going to be a, a turbine in the next few years potentially for Barcelona.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I'd be very, if I was a Barcelona fan, I would look over at Valencia and see, maybe that's what we have to expect in the next few years.
0: Big game in the upcoming round of Premier League action is the North London Derby. Over the years, it's been a fixture that's led to some of the most exciting games of the last 15 to 20 years, but neither team are quite up to much these days. Can we still expect an exciting game and will they be fighting over trophies again anytime soon?
1: You asked this question or a question similar to it before the last uh, North London Derby after years of having really exciting affairs with loads of goals, loads of action, loads of really exciting football and then we got the horrible attack versus defence Tottenham victory against Arsenal earlier in the season and I'm I, I I don't think well well I think Arsenal might have matured a bit and may have learned a bit from that fixture. I don't expect a great deal to be different uh, in this match. I think Tottenham will probably be favourites going into it. I think they'll try and keep the excitement to a minimum at, at all costs. I think they'll be very solid and they'll try to break Arsenal down on the counter attack. And given how Arsenal performed in recent times and and the stupidity of some of the goals they've conceded, you know you probably back Tottenham to do that.
0: Yeah, like there's. It was only a few months ago that that match happened, but I do think the circumstances have actually changed quite a bit mm. between these two clubs. Like, if you go back to that time, both teams were, yeah, they were still playing in the Europa League, but it was the Europa League group stages. Now they've both got a Europa League last-16 tie coming up. Uh, they also, like, Tottenham were just at the end. Like I would say that was kind of the last match with their title pitch. Uh, as it yeah. were, and that was still a time when we were talking about Arsenal in terms of the relegation battle, and like, oh god, how have they gotten yeah, this Yeah, well, how now? long will
1: Artesha last, you know? Yeah.
0: And and since then, both teams have kind of gone in the opposite direction of each other, where Tottenham, well, as we just mentioned, their form has been better recently. They are significantly far away from Man City. They've completely fallen out of the, the title picture and are now in the top four battle. Uh, even then, they're on the outskirts of the top four battle. But Arsenal have firmly put themselves in mid-table, so... You know, they are a bit closer to each other than they were uh, in, I think it was the start of December when they last matched. This this match also will have no fans in it. That match had, I think, about 4,000 fans in it, which, you know, that I think can make a difference. Um, Obviously, this match is at the Emirates as well. That one was in the new White Lane. So I think Arsenal are in a much better position this time around. I, I would fancy them in this game, but it, I don't know what will it be. Uh, as we mentioned at the start, kind of the exciting uh, fixture that it's been over the years, which I suppose kind of makes the question, do we have a most exciting fixture in the league this season? Or is it just going to be an annual, oh, that game was kind of randomly really good between Leicester and Aston Villa? Or will it be, uh, is is there a derby that will kind of bring us into the next decade as, as the one that we all look forward to the most?
1: You know the the it's the expectations that kill you. It's the hope that kills you. Um, you know I I I don't think West Ham Tottenham sometimes has pretty exciting matches. So I think that could be one. I'd yeah I think any match any tie with Jose Mourinho. And I know I've just said West Ham Tottenham, but any tie with Jose Mourinho in it, he kind of tries to suck the life out of it, and it's fine. You know sometimes that's what you have to do if you want to win <laughs> against it. Uh, in 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 sometimes in a superior side, not necessarily in this case. Um. But yeah, I, I, I think he'll try and keep this, these type of games against any Derby, any London opponent, for instance, uh, to very tight affairs and not try to get anything too much out of them. Like even to look at that Crystal Palace match, Palace were just horrific, horrifically bad. You know, they're in, they're in a run now where they're just winning every one in five matches or so, and it's fine for them. That's enough to keep them up at the end of the season. Um. But it's, it's pretty horrible for anyone watching it and anyone who has any concern with the with the team that they're playing against because they just get taken apart every week. And I think Tottenham have been fortunate the last few weeks. I know they're back to winning ways, but they've been very fortunate in the way that they played against teams who are effectively on the beach. Like Burnley, like you said, that Gareth Bale got that early goal, but it was just a horrific goal to concede defensively. Just not bothering or not, not that you weren't bothering, but you... You know, uh, your players miss, all of your players miss a, a straight-through ball that cuts through your entire team and it falls to one player who won't miss from that range. You know, that's pretty unlucky. And then not really pulling anything together the rest of the match uh, thereafter. That I can kind of cope with that is is where their downfall was. And then Palace just, like, they, they're not defending, you know. They're they're not even, you know, making efforts to keep whole shape together. They remind me of a five-a-side team playing at times. And, and Spurs exploited that night. You know, the it's it's put them in that lofty position of six in the Premier League, which is you know, I shouldn't snipe at it because it's it, it's it's good considering how weird the season is. But really, like they they should be doing better with the with the players, the playing staff they have, and a lot of other teams should be doing better than them given how poor they've been for a lot of the season.
0: Yeah, like there's seven points between them now, but only a few positions in the table. But going into the next few games, like after the North London Derby, I would say Tottenham have the more tougher fixtures, like they've got Aston Villa, then Newcastle, then Man United, Everton. Uh, you know, that's not... I, I, like, Newcastle are obviously the ones that stand out there. Is they should be picking up three points there. But Aston Villa, Man United, Everton all around them in the table, Man United ahead of them in the table, like that's not going to be an easy run for them. Arsenal have the terribly out-of-form Liverpool, Sheffield United, and Fulham after the North London Derby. Um, so, you know, there is a chance there after this game to pick up uh, some lost ground on on their rivals, so like the balance of power in North London, it's a it's been a weird one because Arsenal, so for so long, were comfortably uh, uh clear of their of their rivals, but then obviously under Pochettino, Tottenham came through, but also under Pochettino, Arsenal lost Wenger, and with it they kind of just fell apart. Um, as well the the structures around the club uh highlighted a, a real weakness that they are not very well run uh and it's really allowed Tottenham to make mistakes and still stay ahead of Arsenal like i think if Arsenal could get ahead in these last 11 games that they both have like i think that would potentially be a huge psychological boost not just for the players and the and the board and, and the management staff but also for the fans because this is one that really the fans it, it is important to the fans that they're ahead of their rivals yeah. more so than maybe any other uh, uh local rivalry in the division
1: yeah, I I think so. Like, and there's one interesting thing that it kind of harks back to something we talked about earlier about like what Manchester United or what Liverpool could do in the summer, given the, and even Barcelona could do in the summer, given the, the the weirdness of the world right now, given the global pandemic, given, you know how players can't be sold and teams can't afford to buy anybody and no one can afford the wages. I think Arsenal are are a microcosm of that because they, like in the last couple of transfer windows, they've tried to offload as many players as they can. And they couldn't have, they couldn't get buyers. They couldn't even give players away in certain cases. They had to kind of release them. And the you know, Socrates was released. I think they had to pay to get also to go to Fenerbahce. Uh, there was some similar situation and it involved Liverpool to get Mustafi off to Schalke. You know, that could be a situation that that envelops the whole league, and you have all the other teams trying to get rid of their unwanted players, and nobody really can pick them up because they can't afford the wages or the transfer fee, or you know, it's not. It's not good financial management to to make such a loss on the on your investments as as Arsenal would have with with their players. So it, it, yeah, an an interesting study into mismanagement, I suppose, at Arsenal, or maybe it's just a, a, a harbinger for the future for everyone else.
0: This is also the Bank of England Derby. I think they were the only two clubs to take a loan out of the the National Bank of England. So. Mm. <laughs> You know, that also speaks to the, the financial constraints that both are under. They also are the new stadium derby. Uh, so there's yeah. a lot of parallels between these two clubs at the moment. And like, you know, the other question I posed to Sarah is like, how long until these two are fighting for trophies again? And, you know, mm. we don't mean, you know, the Europa League and the League Cup. We mean the Premier League, the Champions League. Like how long until we see Arsenal back in the Champions League? Like, it's, been, it's been a while now. Um, yeah. four or five years Tottenham out of it this season potentially out of it again next season like that's if it does feel like if you do two years in the Europa League you're almost consigned to another four or five years uh in it or even you know even worse than that being in the Europa Conference or not even in Europe at all um so it, it, it is very hard to get back inside the top four once you drop out and the way both teams are going they don't look like they're going to be able to mount that challenge anytime soon either
1: yeah, that, and like it could be a long time, yeah. Like the only thing that is kind of saving grace for both of these North London clubs is that the teams above them aren't building a big impenetrable wall between them and everybody else. Like Leicester City are in there at the moment. We we talked about Manchester United earlier. Like I expect Man United to get second because there isn't anyone else coming close to them at the moment. I think Leicester City will fall away due to all the injuries they have and the problems they've been having in other in other areas. But like Chelsea, Everton, West Ham, Liverpool, you know, none of these teams in their current form and their current guises with their current squads are looking like they're going to build something that's going to be long-lasting and enough to create a large point barrier between themselves and everyone else. So that if Tottenham or Arsenal get their act together in a in a considerable way, even next season, they could easily mount a challenge to get into that top four. I think West Ham are testament that that can happen any season. The the
0: other thing I suppose that this has ramifications for in the league is the fact that for the last... Four or five years, like immediately after Leicester won the league, those four or five years, we had a traditional big six. They were the same six teams finished in that top six positions Uh, for the first time ever in in the English leagues, in the English first divisions history that the same six sides finished inside the top six. I think it was three, maybe four seasons in a row. But now these two have fallen out. Liverpool are currently out there as well, though you would maybe expect me to get back inside the top six. Like, there is a genuine chance for an Everton, for West Ham, for Leicester to kind of assert themselves as one of the big players in the English game again, and it is, it is the closest we have gotten in years to an actual shake-up in the power dynamics of the league, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of where that goes in the next 10 games even, and see who does take the top four positions, because if, if it was Everton and Leicester that finish behind the two Manchester clubs, and. Like that's a statement that you know that's Chelsea out of the Champions League, that's Liverpool, Arsenal, and Tottenham all out of the Champions League. Right before we get into uh, a new Champions League format, right into discussions of bringing teams on historical merit rather than domestic performance. So like, it is it hit it like we talk about a juncture point with Liverpool in the summer, but this is a juncture point for the entire power dynamics of the league potentially. If if the likes of Leicester or or West Ham or even a late Aston Villa charge. Can get inside the top four like that would be that would be one of the most uh, impactful things that's happened. Even possibly more than Leicester winning the league because you know Leicester won the league and immediately fell apart the next year. Like it's going to be huge if we go into next season and we've got Everton and Leicester in the Champions League and then they can actually have a decent summer. They they build their squad up and they can like as I said like the power dynamics of everything is so important important and what you've just done is the kind of the groundwork of that. And, and for Everton and Leicester, if they get top four, like that is a huge statement for them because they are two teams that that have backed each backed themselves in the market. Like Everton brought in James Rodriguez. Leicester have proven themselves to be one of the shrewdest uh, buyers in the market in the Premier League. So, you know, it, it wouldn't be a fluke either. It would be something that they really deserved and earned and, and, and worked for over the last few years, even though Everton did have a bit of a rocky path to get there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like they've been investing massively, and as I, you know, I think it's second to Man City as we as we've discussed before. And yeah, the they have a very good system and a very good what's the word, makeup in the in the whole club to really pull themselves towards that goal. I I I just don't see it being long lasting per se, but we, it'd be it'd be lovely to see.
0: the Champions League second, second leg action takes place this week uh, are there any ties that you see getting overturned or will all the first leg results hold
1: the, the obvious one is the Porto Juventus one uh, given you know it's Porto and it's Juventus uh, but given recent uh, Italian clubs um, how would you say it their panache for losing these these big European ties I wouldn't put a past Porto to go on and do it Um like they, Juventus do have better players. They have Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously, but they have Paulo Dybala. They have like so many good players throughout that side. I know some of them are aging at this point, but they should definitely have enough to beat this Porto side. However talented they are, they have that away goal for them, so they only need a one 0 victory to to take this through. You know, I'm I. That's the biggest one I think will I can see being over, overturned. The other ones. Uh, less so, you know. You'd like to see Bar- you'd love to see Barcelona be PSG just for the spectacle of it all, because um, you know it would require what a three. Uh, was it a, f- a four nil victory for them to actually go through in that tie? Like that would be mad. Um, and you know, Atlanta would be the only or the other one that like you think Atlanta have a, a Atlanta have enough in them to beat this Real Madrid side, even though they're losing one nil. If they can keep eleven players on the field, they can easily outpower. Real Madrid, and we'll we'll see what they can do. It'll it'll be a a turn up for the books if they manage it.
0: Yeah, there's also uh, Liverpool, RB Leipzig, and Dortmund, Sevilla. But I think, like as bad as Liverpool's form has been, I don't see yeah. Leipzig turning that one around. And then with Dortmund, and Sevilla, like Dortmund lost at the weekend, having gone two 0 up inside the first ten minutes against Bayern Munich. That that was another psychological blow for them. But I suppose they're used to losing to Bayern Munich and miserable ways at this point and you'd, you'd fancy them to beat a team like Sevilla who are kind of on that same level uh that's yeah. a 3 away a win that they bring back to to Germany as well so you'd, you'd back away the goals to, yeah to keep that as well so um but there's also Europa League which is kind of getting into that area where you know there's some pretty interesting ties going on you know I suppose main item Ace Milan is kind of the big the big one there, um, that's on Thursday at 6 o'clock. Uh, how do you see getting out
1: of this one? It's a tough one. Do we want to see, like, Zlatan obviously coming back to Old Trafford, but... Well, you, I, know, I believe
0: do... that Zlatan will be out of this first leg anyway, which is
1: interesting. In its... I meant spiritually, though, you know? <laughs> his, his aura will return to Old Trafford and power his team to victory, whether he's there or not. Um, yeah, like, Milan have a bigger fish to fry this season, Given, given... Italian clubs' fortunes in European competition in recent times, given how they kind of falter when they play, have to play these bigger sides. Given Manchester United's, you know, they're, they're, they're probably not going to come close to winning the league. I think it's fairly obvious at this point that they're not. The Europa League is something they could really challenge for and it could, it could be something that Allegri that and Solskjaer really goes after because there isn't that many too, there isn't too many clubs that are better than Manchester United that are still in the Europa League when you look at it. Milan is probably one of them that, that you know, on their the season's form could challenge them. And if they can get them out of the way, they're probably favourites for the tournament.
0: Yeah, like some of the other ties are Arsenal and Biakos, which just... COVID, a, yeah. Uh, the
1: coronavirus derby. The team that ended, uh, that brought about the the lockdown in English football last summer, or last spring, when uh, their president contracted COVID and then went to London to to play against Arsenal and then gave it to Mikel Arteta in a handshake or something, whatever the, the story goes. Um, It ended football for the entire season. So that was... Uh, you know, it has a historic uh, significance. This tie.
0: It's not even just that, as well as the fact that one Olympiakos actually beat them last season in that tie yeah. that you mentioned. But they've met twelve times in the last twelve years or something like that. It's been they just keep drawing each other, even as Arsenal dropped down to the Europa League in recent years. So have Olympiacos, just in solidarity, Um which you no, know, it's have very sounding them, really. Like, yeah,
1: yeah. You know, the Joel Campbell uh, Derby, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's. There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of uh, animosity on both sides, I suppose, um, to try and get the win of it. I I think Arsenal do have the bettering of of Olympiacos. I think their their form has somewhat corrected. I think they're still dropping more points than they should. Um, but given the week they have ahead of them, and I know we talked uh, significantly about the the North London derby, but I reckon they'd be focusing on this and a, a full side will play on on Thursday against Olympiacos.
0: Yeah, because I suppose that's the thing we didn't mention is that both teams can still win the Europa League, and that will. Guarantee them a spot in the Champions League next season, which would be huge um, for either of them if they, you know, both look likely to miss out on the top four. Um, so, you know, Tottenham as well drew Dynamo Zagreb, which you would fasten them to beat as well. So, yeah. you know, how fun would a quarterfinal draw be between these two sides? I suppose uh, is another question. Um,
1: yeah, like they managed to avoid each other, which I think this was the first round where where clubs from the same country yeah. could meet. Um, like I would not be enti- surprised at all if. If it's only three, four British sides really, if you as, as Rangers are in there as well, if if all four manage to qualify for the next round, like I think the the big hitters managed to avoid themselves with the exception of Man United and Milan, um, in the draw. So I think you're going to once we get to the quarterfinal stage of this tournament, it's going to be really high quality, like. Roma Shakhtar is the other ma- match I'd I'd like to mention because they they again have some kind of weird rivalry that's built up in recent years because they keep drawing each other in European competition, whether it's the Champions League or the Europa League, um and it'll be an interesting tie. I think Shakhtar tend to come out on top in these matches, so they'll probably come through in that as well. But that'll be the end of Italian participation if if our um, predictions are correct.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, you're right that the this draw kind of does set up a, a pretty fun quarterfinals as well. I suppose yeah. I didn't even mention Rangers, who won their first uh, league title in 10 years over the weekend. Steven Gerrard managing uh, a, a yeah. pretty well, uh, well-drilled well Rangers side yeah. that have, haven't lost a league game this season. They've only drawn four games there. Yep. Yeah they're set to equal Brandon Rogers record points total from a few years ago. They, uh, only conceded nine goals in 32 games or something like that. Um, so like that's hugely impressive and maybe yeah. there'll be a dark horse in this competition as well.
1: I, I don't think they have that in them, but yeah, he still Jared's done a good job there. He's blended youth and experience. He has a bit of something about him. I don't know if he's top, top grade management material, but you know, he's done very well at Rangers and I think he'd be wise to, uh, to stay there for for the next couple of years and really grow into this uh the senior role he he's he's set himself into Slavia Prague are a team that were in the Champions League last season. They're pretty decent. I think this is Rangers sternest test so far in the in the in the Europa League. So it, I think this will be a real real gauge of how well they could do in this tournament because Slavia Prague would be tough customers for a team like Rangers. Um they, but they, yeah, they, they, it's wide of, open like.
0: They knocked out Leicester as well in the last round and, and Rangers yeah. had a had a bizarre last thirty-two round. I forget who they played. Now, but there were like four penalties. Uh, that finished
1: like seven-four on aggregate. Bruges, wasn't it? I was a think... Bruges? They, yeah. They, who they also were... dropped out of the Champions League and were quite good in Champions League. Only went out really because Lazio in a in a last, basically a last game of the group stage decider. Um, they're quite good and played quite aggressive attacking football. And I think that's why, maybe why Rangers scored a lot of goals against them.
0: Yeah. So, uh, like that. That was a a bizarre tie. So, um. Hopefully we get a bit more of that as well. and
1: More I goals, think, the better. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, it should be a good complement, I suppose, to the, the Champions League, which just kind of feels a bit finished right now as we kind of wait for the quarterfinal draw on Friday week and hopefully the European action can can really light us up because the Premier League, uh, I don't know about you, the Premier League's been feeling a little yeah. dry recently.
1: We're crying out for a break to the Premier League and I know it's something we didn't talk about. and It's not something that's going to come anytime soon maybe the international window might give a bit of a respite to us all, but yeah, the teams look tired, the football is weak, the football is also tired, and um, yeah, you know at least the, Euro- the European matches kind of give- brings about a bit of um, variety to the fixtures, and you know, we get to see different stadia
0: Yeah, and uh, hopefully those, uh, those will play out as we hope uh, in the next week, uh, but until then, thank you for being here, Andrew.
1: Thank you for having me Declan.
0: And we'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then don't forget to tell your family and friends about the show. Spread the word of the Total Football Takeover. The show can also be found on podcast services, including Spotify, by searching Total Football Podcast. You can also subscribe to my own Substack at declanhart.substack.com, where I publish two weekly newsletters that will often go further in-depth on topics discussed during our shows. Those pieces can also be found on Medium at medium.com slash at H-I-R-T-E. You can also follow Andrew on Twitter at Kanban27 and myself at CheesyHeartPun. Most of all, thank you for listening and we hope to be in your download feed next week too. The more the merrier, that's what we always say.